Welcome to the Scarecrow of Oz, Volume 3. Chapter 5 The Little Old Man of the Island. A few steps brought them to the shed, which was merely a roof of boughs built over a square space, with some branches of trees fastened to the sides to keep off the wind. The front was quite open and faced the sea, and as our friends came near, they observed a little man with a long pointed beard sitting motionless on a stool and staring thoughtfully out over the water. Get out of my way, please, he called in a fretful voice. Can't you see you're obstructing my view? Good morning, said Captain Bill politely. It isn't a good morning, snapped the little man. I've seen plenty of mornings better than this one. Do you call it a good morning when I'm pestered by such a crowd as you? Trot was astonished to hear such words from a stranger whom they had greeted quite properly, and Captain Bill grew red at the little man's rudeness. But the sailor said in a quiet tone of voice, Are you the only one as lives on this here island? Your grammar is bad, was the reply. But this is my own exclusive island, and I'll thank you to get off it as soon as possible. We'd like to do that, said Trot. And then she and Captain Bill turned away and walked down to the shore to see if any other land was in sight. The little man rose and followed them, although both were now too provoked to pay any attention to him. Nothing in sight, partner, reported Captain Bill, shading his eyes with his hands. So we'll have to stay here for a time anyway. It isn't a bad place, Trot, by any means. That's all you know about it, broke in the little man. The trees are altogether too green, and the rocks are harder than they ought to be. I find the sand very grainy, and the water dreadfully wet. Every breeze makes a draft, and the sun shines in the daytime, when there's no need of it. And it disappears just as soon as it begins to get dark. If you remain here, you'll find the island very unsatisfactory. Trot turned to look at him, and her sweet face was grave and curious. I wonder who you are, she said. My name is Pessim, he said with an air of pride. I'm called the Observer. Oh, what do you observe? Everything I see, was the reply in a more surly tone. Then Pessim drew back with a startled exclamation and looked at some footprints in the sand. Why, good gracious me, he cried in distress. What's the matter now? asked Captain Bill. Someone has pushed in the earth, don't you see it? It's not pushed in far enough to hurt anything, said Trot, examining the footprints. Everything hurts that isn't right, insisted the man. If the earth were pushed in a mile, it would be a great calamity, now wouldn't it? I suppose so, admitted the little girl. Well, here it is, pushed in a full inch. That's a twelfth of a foot, or a little more than a millionth part of a mile. Therefore, it's a millionth part of a calamity. Oh, dear, how dreadful, said Pessim in a wailing voice. Try to forget it, sir, advised Cap'n Bill soothingly. Let's get under your shed and keep dry. Raining? Is it really raining? asked Pessim, beginning to weep. Aye, it is, answered Cap'n Bill as the drops began to descend. And I don't see any way to stop it, although I'm some observer myself.
"'No, we can't stop it, I fear,' said the man. "'Are you very busy just now?' "'I won't be after I gets to the shed,' replied the sailor man. "'Then do me a favor, please,' begged Pessim, walking briskly along behind them, for they were hastening to the shed. "'Depends on what it is,' said Captain Bill. "'I wish you to take my umbrella down to the shore "'and hold it over the poor fishes till it stops raining. "'I'm afraid they'll get wet.' "'Trot laughed, but Captain Bill thought the little man was poking fun at him, "'and so he scowled upon Pessim in a way that showed that he was angry. "'They reached the shed before getting very wet, "'although the rain was now coming down in big drops. "'The roof of the shed protected them, "'and while they stood watching the rainstorm, Something buzzed in and circled around Pessim's head. At once the observer began beating it away with his hands, crying out, A bumblebee! A bumblebee! And it's the queerest bumblebee I've ever seen! Captain Bill and Trot both looked at it, and the little girl cried out in surprise, Oh dear! It's a wee little orc! That's what it is, sure enough! exclaimed Captain Bill. Really, it wasn't much bigger than a bumblebee and when it came toward Trot, she allowed it to alight on her shoulder. "'It's me, all right,' said a very small voice in her ear. "'I'm in an awful pickle just the same.' "'What, are you our orc, then?' demanded the girl, much amazed. "'No, I'm my own orc, but I'm the only orc you know,' replied the little creature. "'What happened to you, then?' asked the sailor, putting his head close to Trot's shoulder in order to hear the reply better. Pessim also put his head close, and the orc said, You remember that when I left you, I started to fly over the trees, and just as I got to the other side of the forest, I saw a bush that was like loaded down with the most luscious fruit you could imagine. The fruit was about the size of a gooseberry and a lovely lavender color, so I swooped down and picked one off with my bill and ate it. All at once I began to grow small. I could feel myself shrinking away. It frightened me terribly, so I alighted on the ground to think over what was happening, and in a few seconds I had shrunk to the size you see me now. But there I remained, getting no smaller, but no larger either. Certainly a dreadful affliction. After I had recovered somewhat from the shock, I began to search for you. It's not so easy to find one's way when a creature is so small, but fortunately I spied you here in the shed and came to you at once. Captain Bill and Trot were much astonished at this story and felt grieved for the poor orc. Well, the little man, Pessim, seemed to think it was a good joke. He began laughing when he heard the story and laughed until he choked, after which he lay down on the ground and rolled and laughed again, while the tears of merriment coursed down his wrinkled cheeks. Oh, 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 my dear! Oh, dear, oh, dear! Oh, oh, oh! He finally gasped, sitting up, wiping his tears. This is too rich. It's it's almost too joyful to be true. I don't see anything funny about this, remarked Trot rather indignantly. Eh, you would if you had my experience, said Pessim, getting upon his feet and gradually resuming his solemn and dissatisfied expression of countenance. The same thing happened to me. Oh, did it? And how did you happen to come to this island? asked the girl. I didn't come. The neighbors brought me, replied the little man, with a frown at the recollection. They said I was quarrelsome and fault-finding, and blamed me because I told them all the things that went wrong. 
or were never right, because I told them how things ought to be. They brought me here and left me here all alone, saying that if I quarreled with myself, no one else would be made unhappy. Absurd, isn't it? Seems to me, said Captain Bill, those neighbors did the proper thing. Well, resumed Pessum, when I found myself king of this island, I was obliged to live upon fruits, and I found many fruits growing here that I had never seen before. I tasted several and found them good and wholesome. But one day I ate a lavender berry, as the orc did, and immediately I grew so small I was scarcely two inches high. It was a very unpleasant condition. Like the orc, I became frightened. I couldn't walk very well, nor very far, for every lump of earth in my way seemed like a mountain, and every blade of grass a tree, and every grain of sand a rocky boulder. For several days I stumbled around in an agony of fear. Once a tree toad nearly gobbled me up, and if I ran out from the shelter of the bushes, the gulls and cormorants swooped down on me. Finally I decided to eat another berry and become nothing at all, since life to one so small as I was had become a dreary nightmare. At last I found a small tree that I thought bore the same fruit as that I had eaten. The berry was a dark purple instead of light lavender, but otherwise it was quite similar. Being unable to climb the tree, I was obliged to wait underneath it until a sharp breeze arose and shook the limbs so that a berry fell. When it did, I instantly seized upon it and taking a last view of the world, I ate the berry in a twinkling. Then to my surprise, I began to grow big again until I became my former stature and so I have since remained. Needless to say, I have never eaten again of the lavender fruit, nor do any of the birds or the beasts that live upon this island eat it. They had all three listened eagerly to this amazing tale, and when it was finished, the orc exclaimed, Whoa, so you think then that the deep purple berry is the antidote for the lavender one? I'm sure of it, answered Pessum. Then lead me to the tree. Right now, begged the orc, for this tiny form I now have terrifies me greatly. Pessum examined the orc closely. You're ugly enough as you are, he said. Were you any larger, you might be dangerous. No, Trot assured him. The orc has been our good friend. Please take us to the tree. Finally, Pessum consented, although rather reluctantly. He led them to the right, which was the east side of the island, and in a few minutes brought them near to the edge of the grove which faced the shore of the ocean. Here stood a small tree bearing berries of a deep purple color. The fruit looked very enticing, and Captain Bill reached up and selected one that seemed especially plump and ripe. The orc had remained perched upon Trot's shoulder, but now it flew down to the ground. It was so difficult for Captain Bill to kneel down with his wooden leg that the little girl took the berry from him and held it close to the orc's head. It's too big to go in my mouth, said the little creature, looking at the fruit sideways. You'll have to make several mouthfuls of it, I guess, said Trot. And that is what the orc did. He pecked at the soft, ripe fruit with his bill and ate it up very quickly because it was good. Even before he had finished the berry, they could see that the orc was beginning to grow. In a few minutes he had regained his natural size and was strutting before them, quite delighted with his transformation. Whoa, whoa, 
what do you think of me now? He asked proudly. You're very skinny and remarkably ugly, declared Pessim. Well, you're a poor judge of orcs, was the reply. Anybody can see I'm much handsomer than those dreadful things called birds, which are all fluff and feathers. Their feathers make nice soft beds, asserted Pessim. And my skin would make an excellent drumhead, retorted the orc. Nevertheless, a plucked bird or a skinned orc would be of no value to himself, so we needn't brag of our usefulness after we're dead. But for the sake of argument, friend Pessim, I'd like to know what good you would be were you not alive. Never mind that, said Captain Bill. He isn't much good as he is. I'm king of this island, allow me to say, and you're intruding on my property, declared the little man, scowling at them. If you don't like me, and I'm sure you don't, for nobody else does, why don't you go away and leave me to myself? Well, the orc can fly, but we can't explained Trot in answer. We don't want to stay here a bit, but I don't see how we can get away. You can go back into that hole that you came from. Captain Bill shook his head. Trot shuddered at the thought, and the orc just laughed aloud. You may be king here, the creature said to Pessim, but we intend to run this island to suit ourselves, for we're three and you're one, and the balance of power lies with us. The little man made no reply to this, although as they walked back to the shed, his face wore the fiercest scowl. Captain Bill gathered a lot of leaves, and assisted by Trot, prepared two nice beds in opposite corners of the shed. Pessim slept in a hammock, which he swung between two trees. They required no dishes, as all their food consisted of fruits and nuts picked from the trees. They made no fire, for the weather was warm, and there was nothing to cook. The shed had no furniture other than the rude stool which the little man was accustomed to sit upon. He called it his throne, and they let him keep it. And so they lived upon the island for three days, and rested and ate to their heart's content. Still, they were not at all happy in this life because of Pessim. He continually found fault with them, and all that they did, and all their surroundings. He could see nothing good or admirable in all the world, and Trot soon came to understand why the little man's former neighbors had brought him to this island and left him here alone. It was their misfortune that they had been led to this place by their adventures, for often they would have preferred the company of a wild beast to that of Pessim. On the fourth day, a happy thought came to the orc. They had all been racking their brains for a possible way to leave the island and discussing this or that method without finding a plan that was practical. Captain Bill had said he could make a raft of the trees big enough to float them all, but he had no tools except those two pocket knives, and it was not possible to chop down trees with such small blades. And suppose we got afloat in the ocean, said Trot. Where would we drift to, and how long would it take us to get there? Captain Bill was forced to admit he didn't know. The orc could fly away from the island any time it wished, but the queer creature was loyal to his new friends and refused to leave them in such a lonely, forsaken place. It was when Trot urged him to go on this fourth morning that the orc had his happy thought. I will go, he said, if you two will agree to ride upon my back. We're too heavy, you might drop us, objected Captain Bill. Yeah, you're rather heavy for a long journey, acknowledged the orc. But you might eat some of those lavender berries 
and become so small that I could carry you with ease. This quaint suggestion startled Trot, and she looked gravely at the speaker while she considered it. But Captain Bill gave a scornful snort and asked, What would become of us afterwards? We wouldn't be much good if we were some two or three inches high. No, Mr. Ork, I'd rather stay here as I am than be a hop o me thumb somewhere else. Why couldn't you take some of that purple berry along with you to eat after we reached our destination? inquired the Ork. Then you could grow big again whenever you pleased. Trot clapped her hands with delight. That's it! she exclaimed. Let's do it, Captain Bill. The old sailor did not like the idea at first, but he thought it over carefully, and the more he thought, the better it seemed. How could you manage to carry us if we were so small? he asked. Well, I could put you in a paper bag and tie it around my neck. But we don't have a paper bag, objected Trot. The orc looked at her. Well, there's your sunbonnet, it said presently, which is hollow in the middle and has two strings you could tie around my neck. Trot took off her sunbonnet and regarded it critically. Yes, it might easily hold her and Captain Bill, after they had eaten the lavender berries and been reduced in size. She tied the string around the orc's neck, and the sunbonnet made a bag in which two tiny people might ride without danger of falling out. So she said, I believe we'll do it that way, Captain. Captain Bill groaned, but could make no logical objection, except that the plan seemed to him quite dangerous, and dangerous in more ways than one. Well, I think so myself, said Trot soberly. But nobody can stay alive without getting into danger sometimes, and danger doesn't mean getting hurt. Captain, it only means we might get hurt. So I guess we'll have to take the risk. Let's go and find the berries, said the orc. They said nothing to Pessim, who was sitting on his stool, scowling dismally as he stared at the ocean, but started at once to seek the trees that bore the magic fruits. The orc remembered very well where the lavender berries grew and led his companions quickly to the spot. Captain Bill gathered two berries and placed them carefully in his pocket. Then he went around to the east side of the island where he found the trees that bore the dark purple berries. Guess I'll take four of these, said the sailor man. So in case one doesn't make us grow, we can eat another. Better take six, advised the orc. It's well to be on the safe side, and I'm sure these trees grow nowhere else in the world. So Captain Bill gathered six of the purple berries, and with their precious fruit they returned to the shed to bid goodbye to Pessim. Perhaps they would not have granted the surly little man this courtesy had they not wished to use him to tie the sunbonnet around the orc's neck. When Pessim learned they were about to leave him, he at first looked greatly pleased. But he suddenly recollected that nothing ought to please him, and so began to grumble about being left alone. "'We knew it wouldn't suit you,' remarked Captain Bill. "'It didn't suit you to have us here, and it won't suit you to have us go away.' "'That's quite true,' admitted Pessim. I haven't been suited since I can remember, so it doesn't matter to me in the least whether you go or stay. He was interested in their experiment, however, and willingly agreed to assist, although he prophesied that they would fall out of the sunbonnet on their way and be either drowned in the ocean or crushed upon some rocky shore. This uncheerful prospect did not daunt Trot, but it made Captain Bill quite nervous. I'll eat my berry first, said Trot as she placed her sunbonnet on the ground in such a manner that they could get into it. Then she ate the lavender berry, and in a few seconds 
had become so small that Cap'n Bill picked her up gently with his thumb and one finger and placed her in the middle of the sunbonnet. Then he placed beside her the six purple berries, each one being about as big as the tiny trot's head. And all the preparations being now made, the old sailor ate his lavender berry and became very small, wooden leg and all. Cap'n Bill stumbled sadly in trying to climb over the edge of the sunbonnet and pitched in beside Trot headlong, which caused the unhappy Pessim to laugh with glee. <laughs> then the king of the island picked up the sunbonnet so rudely that he shook its occupants like peas in a pod and tied it by means of its strings securely around the orc's neck. I hope, Trot, you sewed those strings on tight, said Cap'n Bill anxiously. Why, we're not very heavy, you know, she replied. So I think the stitches will hold. But be careful and not crush the berries, Cap'n. One is jammed already, he said, looking at them. Are you all ready? asked the orc. Yes, yes they cried together. And Pessim came close to the sunbonnet and called out to them, You'll be smashed or drowned, I'm sure you will. But farewell and good riddance to you. The orc was provoked by this unkind speech, so he turned his tail toward the little man and made it revolve so fast that the rush of air tumbled upon Pessim and pushed him over backwards. He rolled several times upon the ground before he could stop himself and sit up. By that time, the orc was high in the air and speeding swiftly over the ocean. Chapter 6 The Flight of the Midgets Cap'n Bill and Trot rode very comfortably in the sunbonnet. The motion was quite steady, for they weighed so little that the orc flew without any effort. Yet they were both somewhat nervous about their future fate and could not help wishing they were safe on land and their natural size again. You're terrible small, Trot, remarked Cap'n Bill, looking at his companion. Same to you, Cap'n, she said with a laugh. But as long as we have the purple berries, we needn't worry about our size. In a circus, mused the old man, we'd be curiosities. But in a sunbonnet high up in the air, sailing over a big unknown ocean, they ain't no word in any bookionary to describe us. Why, we're midgets, that's all, said the little girl. The orc flew silently for a long time. The slight swaying of the sunbonnet made Cap'n Bill drowsy, and he began to doze. Trot, however, was wide awake, and after enduring the monotonous journey as long as she was able to, she called out, Don't you see any land anywhere, Mr. Orc? Not yet, he answered. This is a big ocean, and I've no idea in which direction the nearest land to that island lies. But if I keep flying in a straight line, I'm sure I'll reach some place sometime. Well, that seemed reasonable, so the little people in the sunbonnet remained as patient as possible. That is, Cap'n Bill dozed, and Trot tried to remember her geography lessons so she could figure out what land they were likely to arrive at. For hours and hours, the orc flew steadily, keeping to the straight line and searching with his eyes the horizon of the ocean for land. Cap'n Bill was fast asleep and snoring, and Trot had laid her head on his shoulder to rest it, when suddenly the orc exclaimed, There! I've caught a glimpse of some land at last! At this announcement they roused themselves. Cap'n Bill stood up and tried to peek over the edge of the sunbonnet. What does it look like? he inquired. Looks like another island, 
but I can judge it better in a minute or two. I don't care much for islands since we visited that last one, declared Trot. Soon the orc made another announcement. It's surely an island and a little one, he said, but I won't stop because I see much bigger land straight ahead of it. That's right, approved Captain Bill. The bigger the land, the better it will suit us. Looks like a continent, continued the orc after a brief silence, during which he did not decrease the speed of his flight. I wonder if it could be Orkland, the place that I've been seeking for so long. I hope not, whispered Trot to Captain Bill, so softly the orc could not hear her. For I shouldn't like to be in a country where only orcs live. This one orc isn't a bad companion, but a lot of him wouldn't be much fun. After a few more minutes of flying, the orc called out in a sad voice, No, it's not my country. It's a place I have never seen before, although I've wandered far and wide. Seems to be all mountains and deserts and green valleys and queer cities and lakes and rivers, mixed up in a really puzzling way. Most countries are like that, commented Captain Bill. Are you going to land? Pretty soon, was the reply. There's a mountain peak just ahead of me. What do you say to landing on that? All right, then, agreed the sailor man, for both he and Trot were getting tired of riding in the sunbonnet and longed to set foot on solid ground again. So in a few minutes, the orc slowed down his speed and then came to a stop so easily that they were scarcely jarred at all. Then the creature squatted down until the sunbonnet rested on the ground and began trying to unfasten with its claws the knotted strings. This proved a very clumsy task because the strings were tied at the back of the orc's neck, just where his claws could not easily reach. After much fumbling, he said, I'm afraid I can't let you out, and there's no one here to help me. This was at first discouraging, but after a little thought, Captain Bill said, If you don't mind, Trot, I can cut a slit in your sunbonnet with me knife. Oh, please do, she replied. The slit won't matter, because I can sew it up again afterwards. When I'm big. So Captain Bill got out his knife, which was just as small in proportion to him, and after considerable trouble managed to cut a long slit in the sunbonnet. First he squeezed through the opening and then helped Trot to get out. When they stood on firm ground again, their first act was to begin eating the dark purple berries which they had brought with them. Two of these Trot had guarded carefully during the long journey by holding them in her lap, for their safety meant much to the tiny people. I'm not very hungry, said the little girl as she handed a berry to Captain Bill. But hunger doesn't count in this case. It's like taking medicine to make you well. So we must manage to eat them somehow or another. But the berries proved quite pleasant to the taste, and as Captain Bill and Trot nibbled at their edges, their forms began to grow in size, slowly but steadily. And the bigger they grew, the easier it was for them to eat the berries, which of course became smaller to them. And by the time the fruit was completely eaten, our friends had regained their natural size. The little girl was greatly relieved when she found herself as large as she had ever been. And Captain Bill shared her satisfaction, for although they had seen the effect of the berries on the orc, they had not been sure the magic fruit would have the same effect on human beings, or that the magic would work in any other country than that in which the berries grew. What shall we do with the other four berries? asked Trot, as she picked up her sunbonnet, marveling that she had ever been small enough to ride in it. They're no good to us now, are they, Captain? I'm not so sure about that, he replied. If they were eaten by one who's never eaten the lavender berries, 
They might have no effect at all. But then, contrary-wise, they might. One of them has got badly jammed, or I'll throw it away. But the other three, I believe, I'll carry with me. They're magic things, you know, and might come in handy to us sometime. He now reached into his big pocket and drew out a small wooden box with a sliding cover. The sailor had kept an assortment of nails of various sizes in this box, but these he now dumped loosely into his pocket, and into the box placed the three sound purple berries. When this important matter was attended to, they found time to look about them and see in what sort of place the orc had landed them in.